Welcome back to More Bank for Your Buck. This is our third podcast. I'm Errol Kincaid. I'm here with Phil. Good to see you again, Errol. This is a topic we're going to discuss today, been very prevalent here as of late, and something I'm very excited to talk about, but uh, we're going to be talking about cryptocurrency. So last time we kind of talked a little bit about craziness in markets with Tom and how the stock market has been different this year and that we have bonds going down we've got stocks going down typically those two don't move in tandem they hopefully would offset one another but the one thing that we didn't talk a lot about is the fact that uh, cryptocurrency is also rolling over and this is something that uh, quite frankly five years ago you never would have had to talk about because it was just a, a tiny little blip on the radar right but as things have progressed and the technology has advanced and in my mind uh, was really exacerbated during covid stay at home uh, everybody's working from home or uh, unfortunately some people lost their job sporting events are shuttered can't go to the casino and the the proliferation of robin hood of the uh, startup day trader and of cryptocurrency, it exploded. I mean, right. just absolutely exploded. You couldn't talk to, I, I mean, me personally, I couldn't talk to a friend or a family member that wasn't asking about uh, cryptocurrency. If you get on social media, you would always see somebody touting, this is it, this is the next one. I know that last one, that was a good one, but this this next one we're gonna look into, this is the one, this is the one that's, this, this is how you retire. We're gonna get in on this crypto. So uh, today, I wanted to take a, a brief moment of time to just talk about cryptocurrency. What is it? How do you invest it? And if you want to invest in it and really take people through a really high level overview, kind of a 10,000 foot view of cryptocurrency. And, and I know that uh, you've been doing some research on this. So if, if, Errol, if you don't mind, talk a little bit about... Yeah. Um, well, we're just going to jump in. It's a topic. I mean, cryptocurrency's only been around just over a decade. Sure. You know, it's 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 a digital currency that really hasn't been around all that long. And so, like anything that's relatively new to market, knowledge is the most important piece for me, for our viewers. Do your research. There's so many things that are moving so fast. Uh, the currencies that are available are changing. How are they performing? What keeps them um, safe and secure, right? I mean, buying cryptocurrency is safe in itself, but is it smart, right? Sure. Is that really the smart buy for you, for your family as an investment? Um, and there's a lot of research that all of us need to be doing as cryptocurrency becomes more popular in a larger piece of the financial sector. Sure. So I'll just kind of start with that. Um, but really crypto started on the heels of the 08 financial crisis in an effort to create a currency that could be used to buy and sell things, right? Just mm -hmm. as any type of money would sure. be. money. Um, or it could be used as a long-term store of value, right? Kind of that longer-term investment piece. 
um, but it's decentralized. Right. So that it's less at risk of manipulation, um, reproduction, um, you know, to create fake currency, fake money paper was really prevalent in the history of the U.S. dollar. We work really hard to make it hard to counterfeit. Well, mm -hmm. the digital currency is virtually impossible to counterfeit. Right. So there are some really important aspects to this discussion. I will tell you, I am a novice, really, when it comes to my knowledge of all the inner workings. But it's definitely something that you and I in this podcast, we're going to keep our, our eye on and continue to revisit. Um, and you know, we'll, we're going to learn a lot about this. Well, and I, and I think it's really important being members of the financial services industry because a lot of what I'll call uh, the crypto faithful, and I, and I use it as a term of endearment, uh, those that have done exceptionally well investing in, in cryptocurrency or, or got in early because, quite frankly, you oftentimes see a lot of highly intelligent people people that are in uh, the digital space, whether it be engineers, programmers, whoever it might be, they get it. I mean, for, right. for you and I, the, the, the balance sheet, the income statement, the tools of the financial service industry today as it's currently constituted, we get it. We, we live and breathe it every day. And I, I like to think that if I was a, an engineer or someone that's a computer programmer, I would feel the same way is the, the cryptography that is behind many of these cryptocurrencies is something that is just second nature to them. And what I think people need to understand is there is over 10,000 different cryptocurrencies. And it reminds me to an old Warren Buffett quote that, you know, at the advent of the motorized vehicle, there were I mean, I think at one point in time, there were several thousand different auto manufacturers in the United States and throughout North America. And the quote that comes from Warren Buffett is, you didn't have to know which automaker to bet on to realize that you just needed to be short the horse. And I, and I like to extrapolate that today in that the world is going digital. Right. In our industry, the rate of change for the technology for the consumer is increasing. When you and I got into banking, mobile banking was a very new phenomenon. And now it's, for most of our customers, the primary way they interact with us. And the best way my simple brain can understand cryptocurrency is it's it's a way to move value. It's, it's the plumbing, if you will, of a, a secondary system to moving assets from one individual or party to another uh, with you know, a lot of what I want to discuss is, is going to key in on Bitcoin. And for no other reason than Bitcoin has the first mover advantage. That was the first real mainstream crypto. And if you look at uh, the value of these cryptocurrencies by what we'll call market cap, um, it's the it's the leader. It has been the leader and it, and it maintains a pretty good margin of lead over the, the next largest cryptocurrency, Ethereum. And, and the reason I want to just let everybody know that when we're talking through a lot of these things, it's going to be more specific to Bitcoin is because, as I stated, there's 10,000 different cryptocurrencies. Right. And I think a lot of them operate on different ecosystems, have different algorithms. You know, one thing very specific to Bitcoin is it has a limited finite supply. There will only ever be 
approximately 21 million Bitcoin minted, whereas many of the other digital tokens do not have an inherent cap. So you know, speaking to Bitcoin, again, 21 million total supply. That's all there's ever going to be. Uh, to get a little bit into the weeds, the way it works, and I think it's important for people who are thinking about putting money into this space to understand, is that it is a decentralized, as you stated, is a decentralized system of moving, for lack of a better term, money. Uh, you know, if I know that um, the diehard Bitcoin faithful like to denominate things in Bitcoin, but if you get on Coin Market Cap or any of the Coin Value Trackers, well, quite frankly, they're all denominated in U.S. dollars. And, and the, one of the easiest ways to buy Bitcoin, whether you're using Coinbase or PayPal or the Cash App or whatever it might be, you give the exchange dollars, and they give you a cryptocurrency. Okay, so that that's a way you can get into it, but. The way Bitcoin works is it's it's a for lack I mean it's a general ledger. It's right. an electronic general ledger that Bitcoin miners, which are decentralized, they're all over the world. Uh, you've got a, a large group of them in Texas, and they like to aggregate in places where energy is cheap because Bitcoin is very energy intensive to mine, and the mining process itself is actually the verification of the transactions. On the blockchain so you have blocks of transactions that become part of the blockchain that is immutable like you said it's it's highly secure you cannot change it you cannot forge Bitcoin it is on this ledger that is there forever but the downside to that is that ledger has to be maintained so you have your your miners involved their primary function is to verify transactions on this chain and for the verification of these blocks on the crypto chain, they are rewarded with Bitcoin. So that, that's what kind of makes this whole thing cycle is I'm going to hook up a bunch of computers, highly powerful processing units to be a part of the mining group that is verifying the blockchain. And as a result, I'm going to receive my reward in Bitcoin. And to me that it's one of the almost, uh, if you build it, they will come. So if you've got people mining Bitcoin, does it have some inherent value because it takes energy and you have to buy the mining rig and in order for, I mean, if, if I wanted to go start a mining rig, you have to spend a tremendous amount of money. So in order for people to do that, it has to have some type of value out there for people to say, well, if I go buy $50,000 worth of computer supplies and hook up to a generator, I mean, how much is it going to cost me to mine this Bitcoin? So fundamentally, does that mean that there's always going to be some level of value for the coin because there has to be? I don't know. I don't right. know the answer to that question. And something else that I learned in, in some of my research in preparation for this discussion was the importance to the security and the technology behind making sure that you can't hack that, that blockchain. The exchanges are um, digital marketplaces, right? There's about 500-ish sure. today online digital marketplaces that you can buy and sell cryptocurrency. I have no idea there's that's that many. Not, that's a big number. It is, and 10,000 plus currencies, right. right, that you can exchange that. Bitcoin is number one. It's been around the longest. It's right. kind of the, the standard. Most people are more comfortable with it, but there's ten over 10,000, right? And so 
what I learned too is the exchange is the place where you go and buy and sell that crypto. You and I can exchange it directly. There's sure. no intermediary. There's no Fed. Right. 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 That um, is part of that. There's no way to manipulate that transaction, create more of that currency, especially with Bitcoin. Um, there's a finite amount, right? That's right. one piece of how how do I know that there's value in it? You can't counterfeit it. You can't sure. make more of it. You can't manipulate it. We can have it. We can we can fraction it down to I think it's eight decimal points. So you can you can have it. So the value is going to continue to um, hopefully long term rise. But you're going to see a lot of fluctuations. Just a right? little, value little bit of volatility. In Bitcoin, yeah. um, but the exchange isn't where you keep your crypto you shouldn't keep it there because those are subject to hacks sure and so to our viewers you know making sure that you understand that piece of it and that you're you're taking your crypto right your investment that cash component that crypto uh currency and storing it in your wallet right right and storing that safely um because if it is hacked or it is stolen it's gone Right. Well, there's and, no way to track it. And, and one thing uh, recently, Coinbase, which is uh, one of the early platforms for crypto exchange, they published in one of their quarterly filings, uh, likely because their their stock price, as many technology companies in 2022, has capitulated. I mean, they, they've gone from trading in the high hundreds to well below that. I think at the peak, they're down 70 percent. And in one of their most recent quarterly filings, there was a small footnote that several people were very keen on right away in that if for some reason Coinbase were to go bankrupt, that your holdings on Coinbase are subject to bankruptcy proceedings. And in essence, you would be treated as an unsecured creditor to Coinbase at that point in time. And I think that's that's very important for people to understand. Cause like you say, I mean, for everybody to make their own decision on cryptocurrency, I think what you said, the most important thing is that you understand what you're buying. And, and that, that goes to whether you're buying stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever it is, if you don't understand it and you can't explain it to somebody else to show your level of understanding, you probably shouldn't be investing too much money in it. But I think what you said in that, Owning your own wallet so that you can store your own cryptocurrency, that's important because, like you say, the, 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 one of the main features of cryptocurrency itself is the fact that it is highly secure, that it is decentralized, and that you can control it outside of the central reserve, the Swiss SIFT, or whatever it was. I mean, I think one of the, the use cases for cryptocurrency was very evident in, in what's going on in, in Russia and Ukraine right now. If you're trying to leave those countries, it's a heck of a lot easier to put a bunch of Bitcoin on a flash drive than it is to try to get a bunch of gold coins gathered up or whatever it might right. be to move across lines. So I think there is value in that. It's it's my concern whenever I have a, a friend, a family member, a customer come in and ask, well, what do you think about crypto? And as a, as a very homogenous non-answer, it's, well, what do you think about crypto? You know, what, what are your thoughts about it? Because I think it's, it's one of those things that it's probably not for everybody. I mean, I don't think there's any investment I can think of where I believe you should take 90% of your net worth and invest it in this one thing, uh, hoping it's going to rise 10, 20, 30 X. Um, but you know, it, you know, you see some of these pundits on the news talk about how they've got, you know, X amount of Bitcoin or whatever it might be. But 
you know, you don't always know well, what percent of their portfolio is that because right. they, they might say, well, I've got a million dollars in Bitcoin. Well, if a million dollars in Bitcoin is 0.5% of your net worth, well, no big deal. I mean, that's, you know, it's like investing in fine art or anything like that. It's the value is that someone will pay more for it. So it, it's inherently a little bit speculative in that regard because Bitcoin doesn't generate a cash return. Mm-hmm. But then again, neither does gold, uh, neither does fine art, neither does investing in wine or any of these other alternative asset classes. And as the turmoil and the volatility in the market continues, I think you and I will both see more of our customers, friends, and family look to moving to some of those alternative asset classes to continue to diversify their portfolio. Right. And really, if you and our viewers do your research on, you know, how do I know there's value in my my cryptocurrency, one of the biggest pieces of what is making cryptocurrency valuable today is mass adoption of its use. Network effect. Right. The yeah. network effect. And that was part that's part of the design, right? The decentralization of the currency, the network in which it exists. There's no government. Right. Or single centralized banks, banking system or decision making board that govern any part of it. Right. Completely decentralized. However, it has to be used. Mass adoption has to take place for its long term success. And I think we're seeing that over the past 10, 12 years. The adoption is there. People are interested in it. We're seeing the foundation of the currency is setting Mm -hmm. if it's not already set and it's going to be around but to what degree or is it going to be adopted for use in just buying and selling common day goods right can i go to the grocery store can i go to walmart and buy my groceries with crypto I know you can buy a Tesla. I don't know what else you right. can buy. And so, I mean, that's kind of the next phase of where I feel like is rubber going to hit the road on this? Is are we going to be able to really start utilizing that outside of you know my debit card and my my credit cards, those sorts of things? Because um, you know the fiat currencies, the the currencies that exist that are governed by by governments, you know, the U.S. dollar, sure. those sorts of currencies, everybody's using them. I can take a U.S. dollar pretty much anywhere in the world and buy what I need. Right. I can't do that yet with crypto. Well, in in my mind, it's still such a new technology, and it's it's going to go through a maturation process where I don't know if we're at peak crypto in terms of number of currencies that are out there, but at some point in time, you can't declare an asset class to have a value due to scarcity when the barrier to entry is apparently not incredibly high to have 10,000 different cryptocurrencies. So I think there's going to be shake out there. And you've already seen some of that here recently in the news. One of the larger cryptocurrencies, I think at the time of its capitulation, it was number 10 by terms of total value, but the Terra Lunic debacle. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this was supposedly a algorithmic stablecoin in that there was not a cap on supply it was adjusted based upon an algorithm due to the need for liquidity. And some might say that's quite frankly how the Federal Reserve dictates the monetary supply in the United States. But be that as it may, the value of this crypto, I mean, it, it almost went to zero virtually overnight. I mean, it was a very fast downfall. Once that fear and that contagion sets in, there is no backstop to these, a lot of these currencies. 
And I think that's something that people need to be cognizant of as, again, you're doing your research and making your own decision. If, you know, you want to allocate a portion of your portfolio to this, you know, when you're doing it, in my mind, take a piece of your portfolio that if it goes to zero, the lights stay on at home, you keep the house, you keep the car, it doesn't impact your retirement planning or your way of life moving forward. And I, I don't really see any harm in that. I mean, that's no different than people that like to play Keno. Or if you like to uh, bet on NFL games or maybe you like to go to Vegas once a year. It's, to me, it's the same thing. Um, if you do your research and, and you see the light, so to speak, and you really do understand it and see the value in it, I, I don't see the harm in that. I'm not going to tell anybody that if you've done your due diligence and, and you believe in this, then you go ahead and put your money in it. But like, like any investment, if, if you or I had a customer come in and maybe they found this hot stock, we're never going to say, yeah, I would put 80% of my money in that too. Right. Right. And, you know, part of it, again, with with understanding it, one of the things that I learned is, you know, with that private key, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I encrypt my currency, how it's a unique identifier to me. To you, yeah. And that, one, it never gets shared. But if I lose that or I lose my ability to access that, I forget the password right. to get into that thing. You might have a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, it's I've, gone. I've heard. It's gone. Know, I can't, I'll never be able to get it again. You hear the anecdotal story that the guy's been going through, a, a, I think it's a trash site for the past three years, uh, looking for a laptop that he threw away when Bitcoin wasn't worth anything. And, I, and it's stuck in my head, and we'll have to verify this after the show, but I, I think there's 500 million in Bitcoin, U.S. dollar-wise, uh, on this laptop. So I suppose that would give me quite a bit of incentive to start digging through the, the landfill to try to find it. But um, Do you just buy the landfill? I think at that point I you do. You, you find, you give them a loan, right, Errol? You, <laughs> yeah. On the laptop that's hopefully there. And, secured loan. Yes, and, and that we can recover the laptop and find the Bitcoin. But I, I do think that's important because, you know, one of the most infamous uh, hacks to one of these exchanges. And I don't know if uh, many of our listeners remember this, but there was an exchange called Mount Gox. And, and this has been a number of years back, but Mount Gox had a $5 billion Bitcoin breach. And it was recently in the news here a couple months ago where for as secure as the blockchain is and how it's supposed to be decentralized and anonymous with enough computing power. And again, the blockchain for Bitcoin specifically it is publicly available. Now, it doesn't say Errol sent Phil $10. It says whatever his unique identifier is sent 0.00005 Bitcoin to whatever my unique identifier is. But somehow, some way, the FBI was able to look at the public blockchain ledger and they tracked down the people that they, they weren't the thieves. They weren't responsible for the hack and the breach. But somehow they got involved and they were the ones that came into receipt of the $5.2 billion worth of Bitcoin at that point in time. The amazing thing is, I think at the time, they'd only spent through like 40 or $50 million of it. So they're in the process of recovering a lot of that. But if you were someone that had a million, two, three, four, five million, whatever it is, in Bitcoin on that exchange when it gets hacked... The, there's no well, FDIC. We can't call the FBI. The yeah. FBI is not coming to save us. Right. They're probably bailing out some government investments, right? Sure. And it's just, you know, that's, again, when it, when we talk about money, there is there is an inherent soundness, especially, you know, money in the bank, whether it's cash, whatever it might be. 
there's that FDIC level of protection that even if the bank just disappears, you are promised by the government Mm -hmm. your money back up to insurance levels. Now I'm sure they're not going to give it back to you overnight, but that's my biggest fear with some of these crypto exchanges, especially when you tell me there's 500 of them that, um, I'm, I'm almost certain not all of them are maybe on as sound a footing as you would like to think, especially if you're talking significant amounts of money uh, sitting on these exchanges, because it's, who do you call? I mean, if, if someone hacks the exchange and uh, takes your money, uh, who are you, are you calling Coinbase? I'm, I'm guessing that waiting queue might take just mm-hmm. a minute or two. And, uh, you know, I don't know what liability there is from them to you, but I, I, that's why I think it's so important to, uh, whatever you're allocating, again, have your own key, have your own cold storage, but also don't put any more money into this very new asset yep. class that you then you are comfortable losing. Yep, that's it, right? That's a term that I, I've heard over and over again in my research. Only invest what you're comfortable losing. Right. That's it. At and this I, point in time, it's, yeah, you'd love to strike it rich, you'd love to win big, but only invest what you're comfortable losing because that's how volatile it is right now. Right. Well, and, and, you know, when I started doing some due diligence on crypto, you know, let's call it a month or so ago, the coin market cap total for all cryptocurrencies is $3 trillion US dollars. And more recently I checked that to get an updated figure. Now it's $1.2 trillion. So when we talk to store of value, I know we have inflation right now. And it's painful for a lot of people. Gas is skyrocketing. Food prices are going up. Interest rates are going up. It's not enjoyable for anybody right now. But if I had $100 in my bank account, now it might not buy as much tomorrow, but I don't ever have to worry about going and looking at my bank account and there being $50 there tomorrow just because of market fluctuations. So I think that's something that people need to be very cognizant of when it comes to, is this a long-term store of value? Because I Again, uh, with maturity, with uh, being around longer, more of a network effect. And like you say, getting back to, can I walk into Starbucks and use Bitcoin to buy a coffee? Can I use it to buy gasoline? I think that probably makes a little bit of a difference in terms of the stabilization of the underlying coin or asset, whatever you want to call it, so that it can become more of that store of value that you're seeking. Well, and I think it, this will segue nicely into our next podcast episode. We're bringing in Jim Brock um, from our wealth advising team to talk about investing. Right. Right. And, you know, I think cryptocurrency, most adaptation right now is about investing strategy. It is how can I take my U.S. dollar, at least with my friends and family and clients that I talk to, and make more of it. Right. But eventually, it's going to come back two dollars. Right. Right. They can't leave it in Bitcoin. Yet. They may or sure. leave portion of it. Right. But it's how can I make more money to then go do something else? And that'll segue really nice into you know asking Jim to come out and you know share with us some of his experiences in investing. You know how to start, why start. Right. Right. And um, the importance too, I think, of of having that that financial advisor that understands. Um, where you are, where you want to go, and then navigate the turbulence of the waters that we're particularly in today. Mm-hmm. Um, because one thing that's inevitable is change. And so this will kind of segue nicely into into that discussion. 
Um, but again, I just I can't say this enough to our viewership. If you're if you're curious about crypto, you're in it already. Um, you want to do more of it. Educate yourself. Right. Be knowledgeable about um, what it is that you're investing in, what it is you're buying, um, and how secure and really how smart is that that specific coin right. that you want to buy. Um, because like you said, there's one example of a currency basically becoming worthless overnight. overnight. Yeah. And yeah. I would say too that the crypto market is going to be very reactionary and very volatile. So things move very, very quickly. 24 hour market. That's yeah. the other thing. There's, there's no closing bell. There's no opening bell. These exchanges operate 24 seven. And going back to what we said previously, everybody's mileage is going to vary. I mean, there's some people that this is perfectly suited for. And if this is how they want to invest some of their, uh, discernible money, that's fine. But, uh, Join us next time when we bring in Jim Brock with our equitable wealth management. And uh, if you have any questions or comments on this episode, or there's any other topics that you'd like to hear, like, subscribe, go ahead, put those comments and questions in the section below. And until next time, thanks for joining us on More Bank for Your Buck. I want to thank our audience for joining us today on More Bank for Your Buck and looking forward to our next podcast together, Phil. Sounds great. Thanks, Errol. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.